You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Welcome to the For Love of the Land Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. Each week, we're interviewing guests from across America. They all have one thing in common. They all are tied to the land. So if you're like us and you love all things land, welcome home. All right, guys. Thanks for coming back on another For Love of the Land podcast. Adam here. Matt is here. And we've got something we want to cover that we've talked about so much from the very creation of our podcast two years ago, 150 some podcasts total, a lot of podcasts, a lot of hour long rants, <laughs> a lot of bashing East Red Cedar monocultures, uh, a lot of different stuff. Uh, but this week's podcast, when we're talking about, um, we're going to walk you through the steps and the importance of understanding different uh, native habitats, how to, how to do some research. Um, to understand native habitats, um, why you should be encouraged to do that, why you should be looking for this information as you move forward if you are interested in native habitat restoration. Because or, or simply just if you're looking to buy a farm. Yeah. Before before you you know make that purchase, understand what the ground is capable of, and you know so you don't have to second guess later on. Oh, well, that was that was a bad purchase, or I shouldn't have done that. You can basically fact-checked and do a lot of uh, research from, from a historical standpoint and, and geology standpoint, soil standpoint, by utilizing exactly what we're going to talk about today. Very user-friendly, and it has helped us out a lot in making decisions um, or, or just bringing us up to speed on a general area before we ever go and travel to a property. So this tool, again, we've made lots of mentions before, but it is Web Soil Survey. And this tool is going to help you understand your land better. Um, and then again, too, if you're again you're looking to buy a property, know what it has in store um, before you even make that purchase. So, you ready to get through this web soil survey? Yes. And so, web soil survey free free service, free website um, that is available to everyone. Just now, simply Google it. Web soil now, survey. Yes. Go to Google. Put in web soil survey, no spaces even, and it should be first one that pops up, and it's going to be www.websoilsurvey.nrcs.usda.gov, and the first site that pops up is going to have a big green button-looking thing right in the center near the top that says Start WSS. That's your go-to button. And this is, there's so much more in Web Soil Survey than what we're about to show you. Definitely. But if this is, this is the main reason we use it, 
and this is what we've always talked about. So these are the steps to get the information that we're always referring to uh, in a lot of our a lot of our talks when we talk about web soil surveys. So click the big green button, and it will take you into a um, a spot basically that the first thing that's going to be clicked is over on the left column, and it's going to say area of interest, and in brackets. AOI. It'll have a big map of the United States right there. Big aerial image. And there's a bunch of different ways that you can search um, in here to find your farm. Um, you can you can search with uh, different things, but I always just use the magnifying glass I and do start well. drawing. You'll see it look like crosshairs. Yep. Um, it'll it'll look like crosshairs and. Um, Basically, you hear me probably clicking in the background, and I'm clicking out because I found an area that I'm going to highlight. Matt's got one he's going to highlight. Um, now, forewarned, you can find the, the kind of the, the soil for anywhere in the country. Like, it's going to tell you what what's the, the rated, uh, or I guess the soil for that site. Um, but certain areas, specifically the East Coast, won't tell you the ecological history. That's what's really assessment. That's yep. what's interesting to me um, the most. But you can still find the soils, and we use this on a lot of our different stuff. Um, our reports, we look a lot of stuff up with this. Um, and, and here's a reason. Here, here's the the main reason that we do this is because we might go to a property, and prior to making recommendations, we want to know what's underneath the ground. What what's that soil, and and with that being said, is that soil capable of producing this type of habitat? Because you can't just go to a farm and say, or go to the edge of a food plot and, and say, I've got trees here. Let's make this pretty and different. I'm going to create a savanna and just open up the canopy to the right density that a savanna would exist in. But the soils are completely wrong or, or you know, you don't have the vegetation type that's going to respond or the amount of soil or the right type of soil there present to make a true savanna. So, again, you you haven't created a savanna. You've just created something that has more open canopy. So we want to make sure that when we're going to a property, we're making proper suggestions and saying this is what we want to do because the site index tells me historically this is what it's capable of. Site-specific not just, oh, this is western Tennessee or western Missouri. I know this area was oak savanna. Sure. Well, generally speaking, there not was site here. specific. Yeah, we go on properties many times um, where you, you'll go. Out, well, we were on it um, in Sedalia area, central Missouri. It had everywhere everything from bottomland prairie to upland prairie to glade to um, savanna. And it's like... That whole farm, well, yeah, you were in an area that savanna existed, but the whole farm wasn't savanna. It's very, very site-specific, and different slopes and rates of the slopes change the different types of um, e ecological site that would have been there historically. So we need to make sure, again, and fact-check ourselves what that land should be, what it's capable of, so we make the best recommendations while on site, or you make the best recommendations on your own property or prior to purchasing a property. That's right. And I think when we're when we're referring to savannas and different things, 
Uh, we're going to use some kind of some definitions that I've found that I like for these, and and I'm actually going to read them off of the Southeastern Grasslands Initiative um, because I like the way they have it worded. So prairies are basically treeless, nearly treeless landscapes dominated by native grasses and wildflowers with scattered shrubs. Um, picture the Great Plains. Most people can picture a prairie. Yeah. Savannah is the one that might get tricky. Yes. Um, because Savannah is such a broad term. Um, and, I, and, and it's great. More and more people are using the terms savannas and woodlands. But they're a very broad statement. And when we say savannah, we're referring to a, a grassland with scattered trees. Um, I believe it was Dr. Dwayne Estes that, that I heard him say that some people could look at it and say it's a forest with tons of grass, and some other people could say it's a grassland with a few scattered trees. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, this was the most common widespread of the grassland types that occupied more than 120 million acres of the southeastern U.S. Um, I'm sorry, repeat that again? Just just so his, it sets in. Historically, savannas were the most common and widespread of all grassland types and occupied more than 120 million acres of the southeastern United States. So this uh, Southeastern Grasslands Initiative focuses on the southeastern region. So um, it's talking about the whole United States, but they really focus on the southeast here. Um, so savannas were the most common. Uh, but only about 1% of the historical savanna acreage remains. Now, down south, I think of longleaf pine savannas. Mm-hmm. On the west coast, I think of the oak savannas. Yep. Um, here in the Ozark Mountains, you think of some, uh, in, and up into Iowa, you think of oak savannas, um, pine savannas. There's coastal savannas. Um, there's all kinds of savannas that aren't with us today. But the important part of that um, is also understanding that Savannas weren't just everywhere, and they weren't statewide, countywide. In some places there were, but, like, they weren't something that stretched out across the entire landscape. They were pockets scattered. And it was a specific type of savanna. It was a, like you said, maybe a shortleaf pine savanna or a longleaf pine savanna or, or a post-oak savanna. It was dominated by one species, but then incredible diversity underneath. Yes, and I think some people mistake other other types of grasslands for s- savannas just because they kind of have an open st- uh, open look with grasses. Um, but it really comes down to soil type and region and um, their habitat, their ecosystem throughout the year. So a glade is one of those that could get mistaken as a savanna. Glades are sparsely vegetated rockier grasslands developed over relatively level bedrock um, of various types. They often are wet in the winter and spring and become desert-like in the summer and fall. The soils are very shallow. Annual grasses and herbs dominate these areas. Um, very Big true. difference. I mean, you can't. You think about all the true. times you go on a glade and you're like, whoa, what's that smell? It smells mm-hmm. like a mint. Yep. And it, bingo, it's a glade. Uh, very rocky, very hot. But you know, you see in in the southern part of the Missouri, people will call, hey, these areas were once savannas, but they were glades. Glade dominated that area. Um, and so it's important to know the difference between savannas, glades, um, balds. And, and a lot of times when you bogs, have... Bogs, fins. When you have uh, topography changes, that, that change would have 
made fire react differently, and that's why you get these differences. Um, you know, and, and let's say southern Missouri here where we're at, we have glades, we have places that we're surveying. Then we transition further up into prairies across the state. So, do you, you ever have crazy. a jawbreaker when you were a kid? Oh yeah. You yeah. know the big white jawbreakers yep. that lasted forever, and you never got all the way through them. Many, but many as layers. you as you started to lick on those, they would start to peel away, and you'd Wait, you see were all to lick these on those? different colors. Yeah, because oh, you couldn't huh. fit the. I'm thinking of the ones that were I almost know. baseball size. Yeah. You would basically see all these different colors at different layers, depending on how deep you got into the jawbreaker. Yep. I like to picture the the landscape the same way as as depending on elevation and location in the country determined the type of soil the, the climate and the type of yep. climate the type the type of the habitat that was occurring there um whether you so, had glaciers pushed down i mean so many different things affect this and that's why you have to be specific when you look at it and that's why we use a, a software like web soil survey to tell us exactly what what happened there from geology and how that affected the soils and and when we are able to click on and utilize the ecological site assessment, it will tell us historically what was there. That's right. So we can't. I just. I, I basically. I want to say you can't guess and just say, well, they were around here. Let you know. Yeah. That's just what it is. Let's. We can know. We can be more specific and and accurate in those statements. And one of the biggest mistakes people will make as landowners is to try to make a landscape something that it's not. You try to take a glade and turn it into a crop field. You try to take a oh lord a forest <laughs> that hurt <laughs> that would hurt like that crazy. was just silly <laughs> yeah. Um, you try and take a backslope forest and turn it into a prairie. No, um, it's going to if you're trying to do that you you would have to buy seed um, because that native seed bank isn't there. Um, there's a lot of reasons why we advocate for using software free software like the Web Soil Survey from the NRCS. Because it helps save a lot of money, save a lot of time, and it's really interesting. It takes the guesswork out. So, anyway. What you got? Let's, let's, I will, let's, let's pick a site. So, you've got an aerial image of the United States, and default setting is usually on the magnifying glass. We're going to go to a cool area um, that I've worked previously, and I, I just think it's a really awesome area, southwest Iowa. And we're going to go down here. Just like extreme southwest, west, southwest. Right on the river breaks, basically. Yes. Um, and, and a cool, I just started the Lewis and Clark journals again. Um, I read the Undaunted Courage uh, just this past year, or I guess this spring, in an audiobook version with all the traveling. And one of the first, first meetings with the natives, Council Bluffs. Today yep. we call it Council Bluffs. Yep. Um, I'm going just south of Omaha, Nebraska, and I'm going to an area that, I mean, most people pull it up. If you look at the river going along the Missouri River, you'll see a big uh, a bend of what looks like a bunch of trees, and I am com coming down here, and I'm going to click an area that is, I don't know, a couple hundred acres, but it's... Uh, it's one part will be you can see a clear line. You can see the Missouri River off to the west, but you can see all these trees and a clear line that shows some elevation changes. This is river breaks. It's flat as a pancake. All this area could have been flooded over the years, um, but you have this river break, so a lot of elevation, a lot of different changes. I'm just going to take a – once you get into the area, 
you let's say you get into your farm and you know the boundaries you can either click the polygon that in this top center you'll see your area of interest look above your aerial image if you need to use the hand the hand is how you pan around and not zoom in zoom out if you zoom in too far use the negative of the magnifying glass um, and you will basically what I do is I click the the triangular shaped polygon or the triangular shape and turn it into a polygon the AOI I'll click on that and that again stands for your area of interest and you have to create an AOI to search for your soil types um, and I'll just click anywhere on here I'm gonna make a box basically a big square rectangle I guess it's a little longer on one end and once I do that if I've got the triangular shaped AOI clicked up at the top uh, just above the aerial image I'll then double click to confirm my area of interest and you'll see it start you'll get some diagonal lines across it in, in turquoise um, and I have my AOI my area of interest clicked I have my You've area that I want to identify so once I do that then I go up above above the aerial image above my column on the left and you'll see area of interest AOI soil map in different tabs soil data explore download soil data shopping cart free I'm gonna go to soil map click that that might open up a new tab or it might just give you a new area and you'll see all these little squiggly lines whatever that are orange and little letters or numbers and it could be really long ones that are like six to eight uh, letters and numbers to identify that they may just be random for you in the area that I clicked everything is pretty much I've got 2G, 1D, 3, 1F, and these are the way that the different soil profiles are labeled given so, weird numbers, weird names and you can kind of see and, and a lot of times you'll see that these little squiggly lines follow with with uh, elevation changes and that's what I mean that's super interesting to me um, to kind of see that the soils change with the elevation um, and so my area has I don't know how many different ones probably probably 15 different soil types identified in this area of interest and I always like to just go to the first one in your column just to the left of your aerial image you'll see that all these different numbers and letters the, that are specific to the soil in that area are on the left and then you'll see the map unit name which identifies the um, slope percentage um, basically what it would look like or what they suspect it would look like and then the type of soil and this is very very accurate information that you're looking at you know when when it comes to the ranges of slope um, and like you said before there slope makes a humongous difference in the soil types and then truthfully from the again from the soil type all the way into what type of vegetation would be growing there historically um, so this stuff as you again as you look at it maybe compare it to a topo you can see how some of these lines would would kind of correlate with one another the soil type changes as topography changes as well so it's super interesting to make those comparisons so I have 650 acres highlighted here for my area of interest um, I can go in and 
Um, what I'm looking at now is what one is the highest percentage? Um, which one covers the greatest area? So once you have your types of soils, the next column is your acres in area of interest um, and then percentage of the area of interest. And so on the right column, I just kind of scroll through. Okay, 26.1% is Hamburg Ida Silt Loams. Uh, for me, I always envy the guy when he had, when his property says silt loam. I'm like, uh -huh. oh, dirty dog. You've what got that good, would be like. Ooh. Good stuff. Um, so then you just click on it. You can see you can't click anywhere other than the type of soil on that column. Once you click it, it'll load, and it will pop up, and you'll have this new thing, map unit description. And within that, it tells me I'm in Mills County, Iowa. Um, and then I've got the Hamburg Ida silt loams, and it's 30 to 75% slopes. Um, elevation is 700 to 1,500 feet. Um, annual precipitation, the mean annual precipitation is 26 to 36 inches. Uh, the mean annual air temperature for the year is 45 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Frost period is 155 to 200 days. Frost-free um, frost period. Frost-free period, sorry. Um, farmland, farmland classification is not prime farmland. And if you know what part of the map that is on, you'd understand why, because it is on the river break side. It's what looks like forest. It's completely forested based on the aerial image. Yeah, just so straight, straight trees if, on this. If you looked at an aerial image, you would say, that's forest. That's forest. That's that's closed canopy probably that's just stacked in trees. And that and that's a current photo. His, you know, not a historical thing. Right now we're saying if it's you look probably at probably in the last five years, right, I'd say. Relatively up to date aerial, this thing is heavily, heavily, heavily forested. Yes. And so because of that, um, most of the time we just say that's forest. You can easily make you you would want to make that assumption. Very quickly, just one observation. That's right. And so because of that, I'm going, all right, well, it looks like forest, but let's go through here. Um, oh, gosh, there's all kinds of information that you can look at. The landform is the Los Hills, um, L-O-E-S-S, -S, Los Hills, um, which is famed. kind of that, uh, what? It's the famed. And and I, I love this area. It's beautiful. Um, so... Basically, there's all kinds of different things, but let's go down to, it says silt loam is usually your typical prof soil profile. So the first 0 to 10 inches deep is silt loam. Oh, man. And the next 10 inches to 60 inches is still silt loam. <laughs> That's why you can plow and plow and plow and plow for years and never notice a difference or much of a difference. But guys like you and me in rocky ground, We'd plow and you even think what, about what it happened to our soil. Sparks. So properties and qualities, 30 to 75% slope. Um, we can keep going down. But what I'm curious, the most curious about, frequency of flooding, none. But what I'm really curious about is the ecological site. And, um, and I'll, real quickly, I'll, I'll explain that. You while said you're explaining flooding, it, I'm going to pull something else up. Flooding was none, and that's because what he clicked on, again, was a... 30 to 75 percent slope so that is the river break not what is would be west of that river break in more floodland plain area this is upland slopey hill portion of the river break that he's looking at again if you not, look up like you just get on google earth 
and you go over to Omaha, you'll see this band of trees. It's a tiny little sliver of band of trees running north to south. And if you go down through here, um, I'm, I'm pulling up the area, the same area we're looking at. And it still looks like heavily timbered area. It looks like it is just straight trees, right? Yeah, that's what she looks like right now. And so if I'm looking at that, I'm going, boy, that's that's just all trees. Um, shouldn't, I, I'm shouldn't curious. It have always if been like that, right? That's that, what you would. That ask last yourself. image was from oh March of 2019. Holy cow! That's that's very interesting. What you just what you just pointed out. So my image here is from. No, not March 2019. This image is from June of 2018. It looks green, heavily forested. So on Google Earth, sorry, we're not jumping around, but I'm very interested in this. Um, we're going to go all the way back, as far back as our image goes, because guess what, guys? We've got some really cool information for you coming up. When you look at the ecological history on WebSoul Survey, for this area, the 640 acres or 50 acres, ecological history is two things. The I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that soil type, but it's a Los Exposed Backslope Prairie. Calcularius Los Exposed Backslope Prairie. That was a stab. I was going to say Calcarius. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just stick with backslope prairie. How about that? Backslope prairie. Hence, prairie should be yeah. lots of grasses and wildflowers. Um, but it looks like all forest. What happened? Then, sometimes in certain places, you'll see a couple different interpretive groups within your one soil type. And this one actually has two. So, if I scroll a little further down on Web Soil Survey, I'll see another interpretive group that has the classification 6E. Make sure it's still 6E. Uh, this one's B on the top one, but if I scroll down, it's 6E. And it's the same calcareous, low protected backslope savanna. Or just below that, it'll say calcareous exposed backslope prairie again. So we're in that prairie savanna combination. Regardless, lots of grass, very few trees, and very different from what that area looks like currently in a June 5th or so picture on Google Earth. And even seeing is not always believing. You've got to do your research on this kind of stuff. This is why this software and, and studying this stuff makes a big difference. That's right. And I'm looking at, I mean, I'm going back to 93 on this uh, on, on the Google, Google Earth. Earth to see. And you can see more open hillsides, um, the crown of the ridges. But what do you see coming in there? I see cedar. That's right. I mean, this picture was taken in March, so before leaves were on, and you see these black blotches all around, and we know that's eastern red cedar. Um, so uh, what do you think? My history in this area, I've, I worked a property not too far from this. Eastern red cedar encroachment was like a lot of places in the Midwest. Very aggressive. Too aggressive. Most of the acres, especially on the terrain, on the on the elevation changes, was uh, was eastern red cedar. 
And so we definitely have a huge, a huge issue. This is one of the areas where uh, Eastern Red Cedar probably gets talked about being great deer cover because it's the mm-hmm. only cover, um, air quote that, because there are other options, but we're lacking the native grasses, we're lacking the diverse native prairie uh, ecosystems, and we're lacking shrubs and, and the and shrubby component. One thing that we haven't talked about yet, um, so shame on us, is the fact that, again, when we look this up, in in addition to just knowing historically what it could be, that helps us make those not only just recommendations, but general management decisions of if I open up the canopy here and try and restore this native habitat, I'm going to get back from that seed bed. I'm going to get back what I want. I want these grasses. Hopefully. I want these forbs. As long as right. it wasn't plowed. Correct. Which these, again, we know weren't plowed. They didn't plowed. plow those slopes. But I will be able to in this area get back what I need to out of the landscape. But we, we can only make that conclusion based on this information that we gained from Web Soil Survey, Google Earth, and understand the soil profile and the ecological site assessment. Um, now that we've done a lot of this homework in the past, we can go to a site and say, okay, here are these indicators. It has the right um, slope. It has the right amount of rock. It has the depth of the soil. It has the, maybe it's uh, wolfy post oaks or bur oaks in this area that you're seeing. Um, the, the landscape can give us indicators when we're out traveling and, and doing the boots on the ground, but we always want to come back and check it before we make those general recommendations. Or we've checked it ahead of coming to a property and said, got it. Here's what we're going to face. I can't tell you guys how many times I've looked at a property going, man, I hope this is Savannah. I hope it's Savannah. And it's not. It's uh, uh, it's very f- it's yeah. forest. Right. Uh, it says it's forest or it says it's a woodland. I wish my farm, I wish my farm was set up that said Savannah. Um, and the reason I say that is there's, uh, I, I don't want to make it something that it's not. And there are places of the farm where you're like, Ooh, that really could be Savannah. But at the same time, it's a woodland. It's going to have more trees than it's going to have native grasses and wildflowers. I can't, I can't beat nature. Uh, and so this, this farm has savanna on it, but it also has prairie. So that's where I'm going to take my experience. As you said, Matt, I'm going to use a boots-on-the-ground approach. I'm going, okay, it's one or the other. It could be a combination of both because savannas have a lot of prairie grasses. Um, and prairies don't have a lot of the trees. So if I get there and I'm seeing these huge wolfy bur oaks, I'm going, okay, this is savanna. That are, these oaks look to be over a couple hundred years old or they're really girthy. I'm going to say, yeah, this is savanna. Um, They've sacrificed limbs. Some are dying and out. because I've worked this area, I know that it's got these huge bur oak and mm-hmm. white oaks on it. And I'm going, okay, these are, these are, this is supposed to be savanna. It's not, it's not completely barren um or it's not completely covered in eastern red cedar and i look at those cedars and i say these cedars are all relatively 20 30 years old and there's no other trees on it once i cut those cedars i'm going to have native and i burn it i'm going to have native grasses and wildflowers blow through the roof and they're going to be growing like crazy so this area tells me i have something special i've got prairie and savanna um so that that i clicked on 2g which made up 26.1% 26.1% of the 650 acres that I clicked on. I'm going to go west and hit the edge of the river breaks into what is the crop ground. 
and I'm going to click on one that is way out there. Looks like 436, and I'm going to find out what I have. This makes up 6.8 acres, so it's not a big area, but it is um, silty, silty clay loam. Which, which is not surprising because, again, you got off the slope. You got more into what probably could be considered at some points of it um, occasionally flooded. But then you get the clay component in there with the silty, with the silty loam. That, that clay component is going to hold that soil more so it's used to flooding um, more occasionally. Remember what I said on the past. last one? Farmland classification, yep. not ideal or something like that. This one says all areas are prime farmland. Mm -hmm. Scroll down. And basically, I'm looking for um, slope. Do uh, you see that anywhere? 5%, it looks like, maybe. Um, more than 80 inches in depth of restrictive feature. Um, looking at my, oh my goodness, 0 to 60 inches of silt loam. Um, there's a little bit of clay mixed in from the first 0 to 46 inches, and then it goes to silt loam at 46 to 60 inches. So There ain't no bottom to it. <laughs> this is interesting. I haven't looked this one up prior. What do you see there? Wet, floodplain, prairie. Yep. And I've then seen below that, that, I've seen that we one have place. wet, terrace, savanna. That's interesting. That's cool. So we know this is an area that frequently is flooded. Um, it's an area that could be flooded quite often. Um, floodplain prairie is what I would have guessed based on looking at that because it's close to Missouri River. doesn't look like there's trees on it. It could add trees on it when Lewis and Clark went up just a few miles away. Um, but due to agriculture and farming, it's been turned to crops. And so now it would give the appearance that it's just crop ground. But what was it before that? could have been Savannah. This is one of the areas, and, and though, if you wanted that to be floodplain prairie because it's crop ground, you would probably have to buy the seed correct. to put that back into floodplain prairie. And, and, and this is an indication or, or uh, I guess, an assumption, but based on those soil types, too, and what we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago on, on a different podcast is um, the distribution of cool season grasses still in more upland prairie settings. So we're right here looking at a very distinct hard line between two different geographical types, yet some of them both say prairie on them. And we were going to know that there's a mixture of these warm season and cool season grasses most likely in here. Switchgrass probably would have done really, really good in this wetland um, prairie. And area. I'm thinking a lot, lot more rushes and sedges mm -hmm. in this wetland prairie versus probably more little blue stem big blue stem Indian grass up here in the upland prairie or Where you had the 30 the to 70 percent slope really w when you look at this just a couple hundred yards away and that's how drastically things can change but then again that shows you that's why you have to be accurate and where you're placing these types of features if that's what you're looking to do on a property you've got to be accurate because the land can change drastically and the, the site assessment historically you're going to have those variations very quickly this area I, I'm just going through you better get your stuff ready uh, I'm ready I'm going through here and everything says upland prairie savannah um, wetland prairie I haven't seen one yet that tells me uh, backslope prairie uh, I haven't seen I'm clicking on all my different soil types 
in my area of interest and all the ecological sites say some sort of protected backslope savanna, backslope prairie. Um, you want to talk about a landscape that has changed mm -hmm. from its original uh, features. It doesn't look like that anywhere on there. Nothing about that tells me, hey, that looks like a savanna. Currently, as you're looking at an aerial uh, map right I'm now. looking at an aerial image, and I'm looking at going, well, nothing looks like savanna or prairie. Um, but that's the power, again, of this tool and why we wanted to showcase it with you guys. Um, you you know, again, seeing, getting boots on the ground only can tell e even a portion of the story while we're making recommendations. We've got to we gotta fact check ourselves, and this is a great, great tool for us to be able to do that. Um, and, and recommend it to anybody else as well. Hopefully your property is going to register on there um, and provide you with the same information. And if you don't, if it doesn't have the ecological site assessment, you're going to have to do a little bit of extra research there and you know take that information you're getting from the soil and, and Google that soil type and that percent slope, and you might be able to find some additional information on other sites. But Make sure you go out there and, and do this. One of mine uh, found one that made up 1.9 acres of the 650, and it is out in the flat crop ground. Yep. And it actually says one ecological site says loamy floodplain forest, mm. and then below that it says wet floodplain prairie. Gotcha. And it's, it's basically one of the units that's very small, but it butts up right against the the edge of the river breaks. Very so, cool. Very cool. A lot of diversity in this landscape. A lot There's of changes. No doubt on that. A lot of chainsaws need to be brought out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And a lot of fire. This Lots this fire. landscape is a classic example of. Uh, I wish I would have expanded a bigger region because I'm thinking to explain this to you guys to paint a picture. Is you go to the Missouri River and you look and it's just flat and. It just it most likely is all floodplain prairie, um, probably some scattered trees and shrubs in that in pockets. But as fire was lightning strike or lit by the natives, it ripped across this wide open prairie and then slammed into these river breaks, creating a prairie on creating slopes. a prairie on slope. But then Transition. if there were any big trees um, or forest, they were some of them were killed out as it went down the slope to more of a kind of an edge feathered open. So you went from prairie to savanna to a woodland to more forest on the other side away from the fires as the intensity decreased as it ran out of tall grass and went into more leaf litter and shrubs. Um, but, man, what a cool landscape. Definitely very cool. I picked an area um, in Arkansas, Jefferson and Lincoln counties. We've gone through um, basically all these different types of you know, break down how to find this, how to do this on your own. So we won't we won't uh, bore you with that again. But here in the Jefferson and Lincoln County is a portion um, elevation 40 to 280 feet. Um, annual precipitation 32 to 87 inches, wide range there. Average temperatures range from 60 to 66 degrees Fahrenheit. And the frost-free period is 213 to 271 Days. That's a long, long growing season in comparison to up there near near Council Bluffs, where your your property was there, Adam. Um, and right away it says prime farmland if drained. And this is a crazy cool portion we're of at the country. Oh, Arkansas, Jefferson, and Lincoln County. I don't know where that's at. 
I'd have to expand it back out to find you the exact town. Um, but it's kind of uh, central eastern um, Arkansas. So, it, okay. Arkansas River's just right here on the north side. Um, and so, this one. What does the aerial image look like? What? Oh, just crops? Crops everywhere. Okay. Flat crops. Um, there is um, ecological site assessment, which is kind of unique. It says forest land, but then underneath, below it, it's got backwater swamp. Um, so it was forest land, all trees, but it was routinely had water as a swamp in these areas, which we talked about weeks ago, as in it... A lot of these areas along the Mississippi, I think we talked about with Brian too, Brian Tao, managing wetlands, um, a lot of a lot of bald cypress, tupelo trees, all these things used to grow along the Mississippi in these backwater swamps, water oaks, um, and, and now these have all been drained. It's super flat. I'm looking for the, uh, there it is, slope. At most, most of these areas... 40% of what I've highlighted here is 0 to 1% slope. So it's flat as a pancake. Flat as a pancake swamp. Swampy, swampy. And from 0 inches of soil all the way to 80 inches of soil, it is 100% clay. No silt loam, no nothing, clay. So you know it's going to hold water. And we're farming it now, but historically this was a forest in a backwater forest. And again, you look at it now, wide open, very few trees, but you don't... You don't basically get an accurate picture until you go through, look at the actual soil and then the ecological site assessment from Web Soil Survey to figure out what in the heck this land used to be like. We're, we're, we're in love with land, yet we've done so many things to change it over time. And we don't we understand. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, you, it makes you think about it. But we don't even understand what we had before and what a precious commodity it was and how we've changed it but it's important again for us if we want to make these great recommendations and understand again what it should be we got to go back to this and do our homework you got me interested i'm going to go down here into another part of arkansas going over towards stuttgart yeah because i know they have some prairie up there yeah it was one of the biggest prairies mm -hmm. let's see here Let's so go down. So you here. could absolutely spin Prairie, yeah. Prairie, Prairie, Prairie County, Prairie, Arkansas. Um, you could spend if you like it like us, hours and hours and hours on this thing, just looking, researching, figuring things out. Maybe you've seen this just really neat, um, oh gosh, you know, type of landscape that you're like, oh, I was really interested in that. What, what was that? What, um. What, what can I go back and figure out about that land and then do that research? Again, you could spend countless hours doing this. I know we have. I've gotten sidetracked as we looked up client's property and said, okay, here's what this is. This would register as that. Oh, well, I've never heard this one before. Let me do something on this. Or, or I wonder in that area what that would be. So I'm just – I'm cool. in Prairie County, Prairie County, Arkansas. Yep. Uh, just southeast of uh, – kind of more east of Little Rock. And I clicked on an area that has a creek running through it. The Lost Island Bayou um, runs through this. It looks like it might have a little bit of vegetation along that, that drainage ditch. but Currently, right? Currently. Um, yep. 
looking at current picture, it's all crop ground for the most part. Like, Zero to one percent slope on one hundred percent of this this AOI. Yeah, and I have fifty percent of that eight hundred forty-four acres of my total sixteen hundred plus or minus acreage of my total AOI. We have um, Dewitt silt loam. 0-1% slope and 50, 42 to 56 inches annual rainfall and uh, elevation is 130 to 220 feet. And my ecological site is Claypan Prairie. How and it drastic doesn't look, things it, You'd have to go a long ways to find prairie in that part of the world. Long, long ways. The Calhoun silt loam, which is 39% of my AOI, is ecological history or ecological site? Does it have it? I don't. I'm not seeing it. Um, this one actually doesn't have it. It doesn't that's look weird. like. Doesn't yep. list it. Um, so we'll go to the other one. That's nine point Stuttgart silt silt loam, um, clay plant clay pan prairie. So what do you think that area was? Prairie. Prairie flat as a pancake. Yeah. Wide open for as far as you can most likely see. Prairie. 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 So we've either had prairie, converted it into farmland, or there were swamps that was dominated by backwater, um, water-loving forest lands like the cypress, like the tupelo, like the water oaks. We've cut those out, drained them, and now we're farming it. That's right. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Well, hopefully they enjoyed this podcast. A little bit more scientific and technical as we look into web soil survey but it's a big part of what we do it's a big part of what we love um, in looking up old uh, information on history another thing you can do if you're in one of these areas that don't that uh, web soil survey can't help you with the ecological site history what better way to learn about your native landscape than study journals from early exploration uh, i covered one on one of a podcast about uh, henry schoolcraft and here through the Ozarks, here through the uh, southern Missouri and northern Arkansas, um, of course, Lewis and Clark journals. I would always promote those. There's a bunch of different other explorers that uh, explored the United States pre-European hardcore settlement. And uh, so you can learn a lot of different stuff about history. Even Daniel Boone um, and other people like that wrote journals um, and talked about a lot of the native landscape. So definitely check that stuff out. It's going to be step number one in native landscape restoration. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Matt, you got anything to add? I'm just going to say, make sure when you're making suggestions to friends and you're um, out there trying to improve the, the habitat that you're making and doing your homework on that as well. Um, you're accurate with your information. You're fact-checking yourself, utilizing software like this, and making good decisions. So that's why it's here. We hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys get out there and study as much as you can about the native landscape and work to improve it just like we are. Appreciate your time, guys. See you next week. See ya.